Close the Curtain podcast is an audio platform created to educate, entertain, and inspire women to live their best lives while they close the curtain on things that no longer serve them. We bond over wine or the drink of your choice while sharing many laughs, loves, and sometimes even tears. While this show features our opinions, it should not take the place of you seeking professional healthcare advice. Please buckle up and enjoy the show. I fly United, I fly first class. I make them close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering going back and close. It's so hot, we can't breathe. Please close the curtain, I can't take it. I only have one of them great. I can't help them all, please. Please, please close the curtain. Yeah, I'm for sure, for certain. Some topics be making us way too uncomfortable. Queasy stomachs hurting. We do not deal with negative energy, vibes, and negative person. Tell the story, this hurry up urgent. I needed to close the curtain. I'm Shalana. Don't let the sweet voice and the stethoscope fool you. Because I can tell it like it I is. Hey y'all, I'm Caroline, a Midwestern girl with a Southern flair. I will open and bless your heart in the same breath. After turning 30, there's two places I strongly belong. In a bed and in a book. Sometimes both. Nalita. I fly at night and I fly first class. Close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering go back and close. So, as the famous TikTok one hit a quitter made popular again from Lecrae and Andy Mineo, close the curtain crew is Tuesday and we coming in hot. <laughs> Ladies, let's get it. Let's loosen up for these icebreakers that we got coming into you. Hot 96 point, well, it was actually 100 degrees today, but I cannot Mm -hmm. believe we are already at season two, episode eight. Does it feel like we've made it that far, ladies? It doesn't. It really Mm -hmm. doesn't. But I've enjoyed the ride for sure, because y'all are hilarious. (laughs) Yes, I know I've enjoyed the ride. It was just like yesterday, we were actually talking about doing this. I remember last year when we we thought about doing it and you guys were like, let's do weekly episodes. And I was like, weekly? How are we going to handle that? (laughs) But we have, and I enjoy meeting up with you ladies every week and having our wines and conversation. I posted the other day that this is kind of like my outing every week you know connecting with you all and talking about the foolishness that's going on in in our world today it for sure is that Mm -hmm. is a ditto with me so since we done got that out the way we ready to jump right in and we starting with my sister and co-host Shalana's run-in with Wells Fargo so what happens sis should we start blanking black (laughs) I think so (laughs) so about three weeks ago I lost my bank card and this has happened in the past. And during this time when I lost my bank card, I was not even home. I was out of town. I was in town visiting my dad for Father's Day. 
And this was a Sunday evening when I lost my car. So I wasn't really worried about it because I just knew that the following day I can just walk into a bank and get a new card because that's what happened. The last time I lost my card, I was able to go into Wells Fargo Bank and get a replacement card. So to my surprise, when I was talking to the representative, he was like, well, we stopped doing that last year in November. I was like, what? So then how people are supposed to use their cards, you know, between the five to seven days, you're supposed to get a new card. And he said, well, you are supposed to just use your electronic wallet. Well, electronic wallets do come in handy, but from my experience, not every place is up to speed or updated with the electronic cards and you can't really use that in everywhere. And so needless to say, for about a week, I was without a debit card and had found myself going back and forth to the ATMs to get money out until I got my card back. And a really big inconvenience was when I went to the airport. Now I went to the airport to buy a ticket to Atlanta. And of course I go to the airport to buy the ticket because when you go to the airport, you pass all of those fees that you normally get when you purchase your airfare online. And when I went to the airport, I thought they were going to take my electronic wallet because this is the airport. <laughs> so the airport was like, no, we don't, we don't take that. We don't take that, sis. So then I was like, okay, well, I got cash. No, we don't take cash either. But thank God that this airport had a machine or like, it was kind of like a vending machine or a cart machine where you can put money on a card, kind of like a gift card. So you can put your money in there and then you just take the card and you go and pay it. So that was so convenient. But what if they didn't? Like I probably wouldn't have been able to purchase my flight. And mind you, I was supposed to leave that weekend that I lost my card. So my question is, are other banks doing this? I don't know, but I feel like not taking cash and not taking electronic, like a digital wallet, I feel like that was your airline specifically, not the entire airport. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to leave Delta out of this. <laughs> Look at her always trying to throw a Of course, a it was spirit this there. time. <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave my friends out of it. <laughs> it was spirit this time. I usually fly Southwest, but spirit had a good deal. So I thought coming out of Fort Lauderdale. So it was spirit that did not accept mm-hmm. cash. <laughs> or the electronic wallet (laughs) it'll set you free (laughs) but I don't know like I think with my American Express card they will usually overnight a card to you a replacement so even if you lose it like you can't go to a branch or something and get a replacement but they get you your replacement card really quickly and I think Chase I think Chase is the same way but I haven't lost the card from Chase in a really long time so I don't remember but I do know that the turnaround time to get the new card is like really quick and I have no clue about my card I know that it's through the stupid federal credit union uh, one of which I would not recommend zero stars zero (laughs) recommendations but if I lost my card I think it would just be like what you said I would have to have cash and or my Google Pay or whatever it was, Samsung Pay until my new card arrived. And I'm not even sure how quickly they send that out. So 
I can't vouch for them, but I think that they are some hooligans. And I think that their airport was a hooligan. Thankfully, you were in a busy... No, the airport. No, I think like that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it was good that you were in such a busy hub like that because there's some Mm -hmm. stuff that in Hicktown, Arkansas, I ain't never seen. No, you can get a gift card, (laughs) a a reloadable visa that you can load money on there to help you out in this situation. So. So I even tweeted about it. I went straight to Twitter and put Wells Fargo on blast. And immediately they reached out to me. They DM'd me on Twitter and was like, how can we help you reach out to, they gave me somebody's name and gave me a 1-800 number. I was like, I'm not calling this number because they're not going to tell me anything new. They're going to say the same exact thing. Oh, we don't do replacement cards. That's what I needed that day, a replacement card. But if you you had to say it, your representative from the Instagram or the Twitter with their trigger finger sent me here specifically, and this is what I need, maybe, you know, maybe that would agree some fingers and got you in quicker. I don't know. I'm just trying to offer you a shaky solution. Speaking about shaky solutions, earlier this past week, someone tried to throw Auntie Vicky under the bus because of her hoarse voice during a performance. Which one, you ask? Don't go anywhere else to hear it. I got it for you right here. Actually, go look it up. Go look it up right now on the YouTube because when you thought you heard her voice really going out, that was her trying to hide herself, you know, like Jesus does from all of your troubles. And one thing's for show and two things for certain, Auntie Vicky threw herself under the bus to get ahead of the internet. (laughs) What say y'all on this shaky situation? See, it was the way she went like, whoo. It was throwing a towel over her face for me. (laughs) That's what it was. But when she explained herself about the whole towel thing, she said she normally does that all the time with this song because, you know, in the song, she's saying he shall hide me. And so the towel was supposed to represent God hiding her. (laughs) Girl. Yeah, I agree. He needed to hide you that night. (laughs) Y'all are tripping. You can clearly tell that she can still sing no matter how her voice was cracking and why y'all ain't in the spirit instead of trying to catch Auntie slipping. Now you done missed the anointing that her genuine worship was bringing about. (laughs) Better hope that chariot swing back around for you while you're dragging her. I'm talking about the internet. (laughs) You feel this heat outside this summer? I expect the hell to be worse. Ha, ha. <laughs> oh my god I cannot I love me some Vicky Winans and she really could sing and I was thinking like who would she be great with in a versus Ooh. <laughs> Yolanda Adams 
not Yolanda, because I really feel like they have like a different era of music and a different style of gospel. What about the Clark sisters? All of them, not just Dorinda and not it's just Sharon. It's going to take all of them, right? <laughs> it's going to take all of them. Go head to head with Auntie Vicky. <laughs> Karen can do that by herself now. <laughs> Karen can do it by herself. Twinkie, all of them. What about Michelle? Uh, but Williams? I was thinking, well, that night, yeah. I'm done. Her and yes. Caesar can go. Okay. There you okay. go. That reminds me of this time when I was visiting back at home and went back to my home church and they asked me to, cause like I used to be in like the teen choir and children's choir stuff. So they asked me to sing a solo on one of the songs I used to sing when I was little, but I'm like six or seven years removed from high school at that point. And my voice done changed a little bit. My octave done went a little lower. And we had a new pianist at the time. So I've never like rehearsed with them or anything. It was very much like walking out of Sunday school. Hey, you want to sing a solo? Sure. I, I guess. I can't say no. So the pianist starts probably one octave too high for me. And it's one of those songs where there's like a really, really important high note up there. And Lord knows I was trying with all my might to hit that note. And my voice cracked the same way Auntie Vicky's cracked. So I share her pain. And it's the way our little cousin Jonathan was like sitting in the choir stand and bust out laughing <laughs> when I missed my note. Not the note ran off and left me. Child <laughs> left me behind. Mm-mm. left me behind like a spirit flight so I need not laugh but it's bad when your family members break the mold because I did one such sin just the other day now speaking of <laughs> shakier morals it's like when you at a church and you hit the wrong note and them saints be like let them work with you let the Lord work with you so Here's what your sister Brandy posted on your Instagram. I tried, I tried to delete it. Pops told me that you didn't drink none of the tea I made for you. He also told me that you were talking all day when I specifically said no talking yeah. and then only drink water and the special tea I made for you at four in the freaking morning. Yeah. If I had one wish, you would listen to your big sis. It's so important to make sure you perfect your craft as much as you can and, mm -hmm. and give the world a good show. Yeah. I, I mean, I entertained yeah. them. Yeah. Yes, you did. But... Ooh, we ain't got to hear the rest of it. So you know who that was. <laughs> and it was wrong for that. Brandy said, if I had one wish. <laughs> if you don't know what squeaky voice that was, oil in the wheel, Ooh. that's our friend, Mr. Ray J. And he was brought on stage during this verses with Omarion and Mario, where they prove that your voice doesn't always stay the same, like a weld oil machine. And sometimes it's often revealed when you are the star, you should be the star that everyone thought you were when they were crushing on you. Because did y'all know that Omarion was not the one actually singing all of his verses? Did y'all know he had like a ghost singer? I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised because they all sounded a mess. It wasn't just Ray J. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. all sound horrible. When Tank got up there and did his performance, it was like a, a breath of fresh air because I was sick and tired. 
of being sick and tired uh, listening sick to and that tired. verse the other night wait so Omarion <laughs> had help and still somebody that bad not right then but yeah when he was coming up back in the day his other people told us they got online like you know, you can't always be quiet. You thought you was the star, but now it took a decade to realize that you really wasn't just the pretty face that you thought you were and reveal that, I think he said Steven or Steve Russell or somebody who was actually singing his verses like Omarion was doing the ad libs, but somebody else was actually singing the verse, making See. people go back and really listen for clarity on some of those songs. <laughs> Mm-mm, ain't none of them had no business. But I think Mario was the pettiest one at time I saw. You can't spell Omarion without spelling Mario first. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their beef was, that, but they that sent really me. Yeah, sent me. Yes, because before yes. the show, he was asking him, are you ready? Because I really don't think you are. And it proved to be the truth. <laughs> They were all talking a lot of trash that night, but I think this versus really just kind of revitalized or rebirthed the issues that B2K has with Omarion, because I think they were all in his comments talking about there would be no you without us, you ain't nothing without us and all kind of stuff. So where did that beef come from? I think I'm kind of lost with that, but they, I guess they had a beef because he was dating one of their girls or something like that. Nah, I think the most of the beef came from because other people who could actually sing in the group were kept from singing and really getting the spotlight they felt like they deserved because they really saw Omarion as the face of that group. And so even if they had to record somebody else singing and pass it off as him, they was going to make him the star. And so they just felt bad. I don't know, girl. Shady McShady. Right. <laughs> it was shady, but apparently they have some issues from the past. And mm-hmm. I think it's the reason why they're no longer a group. <clears throat> and I think they found, like, with this versus an opportunity to revamp some of the drama that they were going through. But I can't recall what the issue was. I think it was Omarion dating somebody who somebody from the group used to date or something like that. I don't know because really it was I was on the edge of being too young to really get into that you know group fangirlish but I really remember my cousin having posters of Omarion pasted to her wall in addition to (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson she was like really big into those men at the time and all around her room I remember spending the night she had them posters but she is a good at least five years older than me. So I felt like I was too young to really follow the news surrounding them. And also my mom and them had us on lockdown. Well, me, because I'm eight years younger than my nearest sibling. So she was like, "Mm -mm, you ain't watching that stuff. You can watch PBS Kids in between the (laughs) lions. (laughs) You can get some of this author. (laughs) That's so crazy. And even that's a stretch because it's raving a witch. What's she doing jumping back in time, girl? <laughs> yeah. So I missed that window. But talking about windows, did y'all watch the BET Awards? What happened to our sis, Lil' Kim? What has really happened with her? Because when I saw her get up on that stage, it really hurt. 
It really, really hurt my feelings. Uh, I didn't watch. I just saw like clips and recaps and, you know, best dressed, worst dressed, like all that on TikTok and stuff. But the clip I saw, look, Kim, nothing, it didn't look bad. So maybe I like missed what the shape was. I know. Like, why you jerk she, your face Because, back? because you must ain't seen these memes. Yeah, you haven't seen the right the leprechaun. Okay, because yeah, the she, only one I saw was when she was doing her little old bad boy dance. You know, that's the only one I saw. That's all she can do. It didn't even that's look like she had a chair. She's had so much work done. Like she, you can't even compare what she looked like in the day to what she looks like now. And it's a downgrade. Yeah, she could barely walk off the stage. Like Diddy had to help her down and everything. And you can tell she's had a lot of work done. And what I see is body dysmorphia. Some people call it self-hate, but I just really think that there's more to what we see. I really think that it is because when you look back at Lil' Kim, when she first came on the scene, I thought she was beautiful then. I thought she was gorgeous then. You know, there was nothing wrong with her body. There was nothing wrong with her face. There was nothing wrong with her skin color. And so now when you look at the two different Kims from the 90s and now it is a totally different person, kind of like Michael Jackson. When we look at Michael Jackson, when he was like, that young cute boy in the 60s and 70s or whatnot and even his thriller days he was the handsome Michael and then we look at what he was sometime before you know his death it was two different persons and so I kind of feel like to go through so much surgery to go through so much cosmetic procedures just to make yourself look different than who you were born to look like there's got to be some type of mental Mm -hmm. issues going on and I really feel like that's the case with Lil' Kim and I remember when she came down here to Miami remember when we went to the Bad Boys concert when they came here girl (laughs) (laughs) and even at that concert I thought she was gorgeous then I thought Lil' Kim Mm -hmm. looked really good but I think she's had more work done since then so I think that it's a combination of getting extra work done, but also gaining a little weight on top of the surgery. Because even looking at her face from back in the day and now, I don't know if all of that is just cosmetic surgery, but her face is more full. And I think that might be just attributed to some weight gain in addition to the plastic surgery. But even looking at her pictures from the BET Awards, she still looks okay to me. I'm not... Maybe I don't see it. Like, yes, she's got yeah. some work done. Maybe a little too much, but I don't, <laughs> she's been getting dragged. She has. I know she has. I don't know if it's all valid. It's, well, yeah. not valid, but I don't know if it's warranted. I don't For think she should choices, be mm-hmm. I just don't think that they were, I mean. But it's obvious. Yes. You know, the things that she's done to her body is obvious and people are going to talk about it. I knew when she got on that stage and she started rapping that the memes were going to be online in the next 24 hours because social media is very mean. (laughs) Because of what you see, like it really doesn't affect us. But when you said that it kind of reminds you of Michael Jackson, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking about when I look at her. Like, does this have to do with you being African-American? It could not. 
but why do you have to augment so much it makes me take on whatever it is that I think that you're carrying around inside and so I don't know as far as the rest of the internet I can only speak for myself and it gave me some Michael Jackson vibes so then I started thinking about how I felt when he did what he did with his surgeries even though it was quote-unquote for his medical condition but he did a lot of stuff that I felt like didn't have to do with his medical condition and it made it seem like he was going towards being more white passing and so that brings up and draws up some negative vibes so it ain't got always to do with little Kim it can be what you associate with it yourself and your own past trauma that's making people drag her even more than I guess is warranted for her own body it's her body she paid for the yeah. work and she's the one that still has to do the work if she is going through some type of mental body image and body dysmorphia. Yeah. So. But also like she's pushing 50. Like I think Lil' Kim is 47 and 48 years old too. So like she's not in her 20s anymore. She's, you know, right around the corner from 50. And I think that we're also just starting to see aging like normal on top of what looks like a little weight gain on top of surgeries and all that mixed together. But I don't know. I couldn't do it. But I don't think she looks that bad from the BET pictures. Well, I just mm. thank you for giving me that different perspective because <laughs> the memes start. <laughs> They've been dragging her. Yes. They've been dragging her. Now her essence photos don't look bad because she performed on the Essence Festival this year. And so the clips that they showed her on an Essence Festival, she didn't look too bad. I think too, like her makeup wasn't up to par, you know, with the BET wore. She had on green eyeshadow and all kind of stuff going on. So yeah, it wasn't. I think that yeah, and the outfit of choice. I um, I think all of that, you know, combined with what she's had done, I think that's what makes her look quote unquote bad because some people like you said Caroline you thought she looked nice there were probably some people out there that thought she looked great sometimes I think the media just tries their best to show a less than favorable image of Lil' Kim too because when we see Lil' Kim that's one of the first things we associate with her is like her new shape and all her plastic surgery and how she may not be as pretty as she used to be and how she might've let herself go with all these surgeries and stuff. And I think the media plays into that sometimes and how they show her compared to how they would show Foxy Brown or how they would show Eve or something like that. So I don't know. I kind of blame the media for playing into that trope too. That's just my conspiracy theory. So what did you guys think about P. Diddy's acceptance speech. He received a Lifetime Achievement Award during the BET Awards. And in that speech, this is kind of what everybody's talking about. First of all, he donated $2 million to two HBCUs. I think Howard University will be one of them. I'm not sure who the second HBCU will be, but he's given $2 million, $1 million each to two HBCUs. So that was one thing that was really big about his speech that everybody loved about his speech. The second thing was he gave several shout outs to the mother of his children, the late Kim Porter. Kim Porter, the late Kim Porter. He gave several shout outs to her, a beautiful tribute to Mm -hmm. her as well, which I think was very deserving. The next thing was he gave a shout out to Cassie. He said during his darkest moments, he 
shout out several people who was there for him. T.D. Jakes was one person. And then he gave a shout out to Cassie and who we all know was P. Diddy's longtime girlfriend who eventually is dating somebody now who's engaged to someone now and pregnant. And then he did not recognize his children. So I noticed that in the speech and he did not recognize young Miami who was standing in front of him holding up a big sign that said, let's go poppy. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, they're not in an exclusive relationship. They're dating and it seems like they're having a good time, but they're not exclusively in a relationship. So it seems like this was one of those things where, you know, Carisha just got a little too in her feelings thinking it was more than what it was because what you're not gonna do is have me out here with a billboard at an award show at all celebrating somebody that's not my man like that because now you out here looking foolish <laughs> so I mean I I don't blame Diddy for not recognizing her because when you think about a lifetime achievement award like what have you done in his lifetime to contribute to him getting this award huh you weren't there you didn't do the little biggie spin back in the day. Hmm, nothing. You just out here with your city girls in the last few years. So no, I don't blame him for not shouting her out. I think his tribute to Kim was beautiful. And even shouting out Cassie was beautiful too. But I don't see the need to shout her out. But if I had a cork, I would give it to her for that tired sign that she had in that award ceremony. That was tired. The only thing I'm going to say about that, you remember on her podcast, she asked him, well, what is we? Is we in a relationship or not? She should have had an answer that night. Exactly. He gave an yep. answer when he started laughing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some... we go together. <laughs> Real bad. Real like, do bad. Do we go together or not? No, you know now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Made that real clear. I can't say much about his speech and I'm not going to try to read into it about him not shouting out his children I don't know he looks nice he's aging gracefully <laughs> he is he is that's he probably is. Carisha keeping him looking young maybe he should have uh, <laughs> shot her out after all. keeping him youthful in the face right <laughs> but um, mm. and then talking about riding it like a rodeo <laughs> and I'm gonna ride it <laughs> What did Ye actually do as a tribute to him? I think I need to go back and watch that because I've heard a lot of people talk about how beautiful it was that he did a surprise show up and a surprise tribute Mm -hmm. to Diddy. He did. He gave an awesome speech for Diddy. Yes, it started out kind of weird because Kanye was, was Kanye. He walked up there on the stage with his whole face covered up with his shades on and his baseball gloves and only how Kanye can do it. But, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time because I was like, oh my God, he's going to say something crazy. It's going to be very weird, but it was an awesome tribute. He was not following the teleprompter. He was doing his own thing. (laughs) He was doing his own thing, but it was an awesome speech and awesome tribute to Diddy. And you can tell that they really have a relationship and he's always, he's been a mentor to, to Kanye. 
Well, where was he when Kanye mm-hmm. was acting the fool earlier this year? <laughs> out here running the muck around Kim. You know, I was, was thinking he? that too. Maybe he was behind the scenes trying to help say, him. I was just going to say that. Maybe he was behind the scenes. He gave a shout out to him, you know, for his choice and his wife. I don't know if y'all heard that part, but he was like, he always influenced my choices, even the women I'm with or I'm married to. And he was like, thank you for that, Diddy. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm for real going to have to go back and listen to it. Same, sis, same. Because all I can think about is we eat. And when I say that, (laughs) you know that engaging in gluttony is a cardinal sin. Well, my sis and co-host Caroline recently got wasted (laughs) as a proactive (laughs) approach to avoid that. (laughs) How could that be? I bet you thinking alcohol when in fact she got fitted for her new accessory, these waist beads. Sis, tell us about your experience. (laughs) First of all, I cannot take you in these transitions. Like you'll be killing them. (laughs) Killing them. Do you hear me? Oh my gosh, I'm weak. But yeah, so I've been thinking about doing this for a really long time and finally decided to just go for it. I connected with a woman from Ghana who lives in this area where I live. She has her own store with like African apparel, African accessories, etc. So I went to her store and we went through like a whole ritual, like it was a whole thing from picking out the different colors of my beads So the beads I got, I got a brown set for resilience, a gold set that represents wealth, riches, and overflow. I got a white set for brilliance and softness, an orange one for fertility, and a blue one for calmness and gentleness. So all of them were really special to me in this phase of my life too. So after we picked out the beads together, we held them and prayed over them. So like she prayed first, she's Christian. So she prayed first and then I prayed after. And then we started, well, she started humming Alpha and Omega. And I was like, well, let me join on in with my, you know, off pitch voice. So we started singing that together. And while she was tying them around my waist, we just kind of like kept humming and kept singing and I was trying to match her in harmony, but it ain't quite work because my pitch be off sometimes, but it was still a very, very beautiful thing. And then once she finished like tying them all, she said, you are going to be back by the end of the year, either to get them taken off because you're pregnant or to get fitted for some because you've met your weight loss goal. And I was like, girl, you better prophesize over my life and appreciate you. But no, overall, it was a really, really beautiful experience. And some of the questions I get is, do I take them off? And the answer is no, they just, they stay on all the time. So I sleep in them, I shower in them and everything like that. And then the other question I got was, how do they help you lose weight? And it's not like the beads itself that help you lose weight. But I do notice that when I eat, and to Nalita's point, indulging a little gluttony sometimes, like I can feel myself getting bloated and I can feel my stomach expanding and the beads feel a little tighter. So I know like, okay, sis, cut back. Like this food will be here tomorrow. Like chill. (laughs) So me and Shalana go to Hook and Reel next time. I'm in Miami. I know when to just like stop and ask for a bag to go so that I don't overeat because that's something that I struggle with. So that's another reason why I wanted to get these beads. And a lot of times I've seen the number on the scale go down, but personally, I haven't seen like the physical changes in my body. Other people have seen it. 
My husband says it all the time, but I don't see it. So the waist beads aren't going to lie. When they start falling off, when they start getting looser, like obviously you're losing weight. So that's the other reason why, why I got them. Well, it was such a pleasure to hear about your experience because I know when you first started texting us and you talked about their ritual, I wasn't going to say nothing. (laughs) But Shalana said, "Mm, this sounds a little witchified to me. (laughs) But then just to hear about Mm -hmm. the experience and just knowing that she was that type of sister, it Mm -hmm. really sounds uplifting and I'm loving the choice. Yeah, me too. Me too. And the fact that she actually prayed, you guys prayed and sang hymns and everything. So that's the ritual I would like to have seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. What did y'all think was going to happen? Girl. Girl. <laughs> you were talking about Africa and B. She yeah. so B. Oh, I'm like, ah. Yeah, you gonna have these folks thinking you got evil spirits around you. I cannot, I cannot, but (laughs) thanks for the vote of confidence, I guess. (laughs) So like my sister Caroline, it isn't ever too late to make an appointment for your health journey and picking up the necessity you didn't know that you even needed. That's right. Y'all thought I was about to be out here like coming to America. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Y'all ready to cork a toast? So this portion of our episode is called Make a Toast or Put a Cork in It, where we chat about things that are happening in the news and decide if we're going to celebrate and make a toast or if we're going to put a cork in it because it's a no for us. Now, I'm dying to know, whatever's in your cup, Shalana, look real good. So what are y'all drinking tonight? I am drinking a red blend from this wine called Thousand Lives. It has a really beautiful picture of an elephant on there. And it tastes really good. It's just a blend of red wines. We know why you got that wine with the elephant on the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not even mad at you, sis. Not even yeah. here I'm sitting over with the Stella Rosa but it's not my normal this is a Stella Rosa Imperial Black Lux that is semi-sweet and look at this bottle it's not even like the normal bottle that they usually have you see that big cram that looks regal it is and it is so smooth is it like a bubbly like a rosé type no it's not bubbly it's just I got mine. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try that. That looks good. Um, it is. It really is. So I have, I have this wine from the McBride sisters. <laughs> They're the same company that does the Black Girl Magic collection. They're the McBride sisters. So aside from the Black Girl Magic line, they actually have their own line of wines. And so I'm drinking Sauvignon Blanc tonight. And if y'all knew how much practice I had to do to get that word right, that's why Shalana over there cackling. Because <laughs> I look country ass is about to call it everything, but. But you got it, sis. Y'all was about to put it. a cork in me. You got it. <laughs> that's because I got Google over on this other side. How to pronounce. <laughs> I'm just living my truth. I was about to lie to y'all. <laughs> and just say, it's a Rieslick. <laughs> got a chardonnay (laughs) right right it's just it's wine it is wine (laughs) 
but shout out to the McBride sisters because it is quite delicious nonetheless. Speaking of pure honesty, you won't break my soul, but my sister Beyonce just broke the internet with her new single. So let's meet a fan named Tamadio. It's a 27-year-old working in e-commerce. Tamadio was a 27-year-old working in e-commerce. When Beyonce dropped Break My Soul, which was the first single from Renaissance, her upcoming seventh studio album, they said, I had planned to wait until the end of the month, but then I heard Break My Soul, and it really gave me the push to send that resignation letter out, is what Tamadio tells Glamour Magazine. I was really burnt out from the work stress, and they weren't even paying enough for me to be that stressed out. So Beyonce releasing that song really reminded me of who the F I am. Now, jokes like Beyonce told me to quit my job, so I'm giving notice right now. Jokes like that have been circling around social media, more or less, since the song dropped. And the first verse of that song is, now I just fell in love and I just quit my job. And then she goes on to say, I'm going to find a new drive. Damn, they work me so damn hard. Work by nine, then off past five. And they work my nerves. That's why I can't sleep at night. So if y'all familiar with Big Frida, who's the same person that was on formation at the very beginning, you know, was like, I did not come to play with you. I came to slay, like Big Frida. So Big Frida was on the track too, and was also saying like, release your anger, release your mind, release your job, release the time. So these song lyrics really speak to like the younger millennials and Gen Z who are really like tapping into things that don't serve them, which include quitting your job. I mean, this was the demographic who really put fire into the great resignation that's been happening over the past year and a half or so. But people didn't just start leaving their jobs when my big sister told them to. This has been happening. But, you know, some people did take the song lyrics as a sign to leave their job even without something else lined up. So do you cork this prophecy of leaving your job or do you toast someone taking this advice? It depends on what era or part in their life they are taking this advice too. If they leaving their job and ain't got nowhere else to go and no other job lined up, then they may not be doing it right. But if they like a past conversation we talked about, where the woman was traveling and she was working from home and she had saved up all this money so she could travel. If they doing something like that, then I can toast them. But if they just like, oh, Beyonce said do it and she the queen. So, you know, if she said it, then if you're not out here working like Beyonce, when I look at them lyrics, like if you take them at face value for what they're saying or what the actual lyric is, I don't believe Beyonce ever worked the nine to five. (laughs) And I don't think that she is, what did it say? Working my nerves. And I can't, that's why I can't sleep at night. Now somebody probably working her nerves, but I think that she got a lot of therapists and a lot of other people who are helping her get her diet right, get her whatever medication she needs to get enough rest to get up and produce these new songs that she is out here doing. She's doing the work. So you can't just be taking Beyonce's advice. And I feel like we talked about this before without doing the work, like what Beyonce would be doing. So I'm corking you if you're not doing what you need to do to take this advice. Now, if you are talking about releasing anger, like you still got to do some work. If you're talking about 
being released from a dead end relationship or some pain or some worry. Like all of those things are still going to take work. You can't just be like, I'm releasing them by, you know, going and take all these meds and ODing or, you know, it's still some unhealthy ways that you can get the solution that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so (laughs) it's going to take work and you can't just be like, I'm done with this and quit the next day. Like, please have some proper plans in place to take this advice. It's a real good song to dance to and get your groove on with, but don't just be like Beyonce said, and I'm gonna do it. I agree with that. I do like the message that the song has. I think that we all should be reminded that you don't have to remain somewhere where you are overworked and unappreciated. I think that's what the message of the song was trying to kind of get across. I think the song helps us to remember that we don't have to be anywhere that is going to break our spirits or break our souls. And I don't think that Beyonce is telling people to just up and leave their jobs before they find something better. I hope that people out there who perceive the message this way will consider their their personal situation first prior to exiting left from their jobs because the way inflation is right now the way gas prices is right now we all need a little money in the bank but I will say that to each his own in this this situation too because I do know one or two people who have just up and left their jobs because they kind of want to step out on faith and do better. I know someone who decided that this was going to be the last week I work at this job, got up and left their job and moved to a whole different state, stayed on somebody's sofa and has a better paying job and is doing great. So I guess it just depends on individual circumstances or the drive that the person has, you know, you can't just quit a job and say, oh, I'm just going to stay with my mom and sleep on her sofa because I don't like where I work. But you have to have a drive behind that. If you're going to quit your job, you're going to have to work hard to get the next best thing. So that's where I stand. Listen, we all know that Beyonce is dropping an album at the end of this month which means a concert is to follow. Y'all ain't got time to be leaving these jobs because we have concert tickets and VIP sections to save up for. So I'm corking any of you. See, I done been drinking this Sauvignon Blanc too long. (laughs) Stuttering over my words. (laughs) We don't have time to be quitting jobs right now because we have a concert and VIP section to save up for, for when this tour is announced. Okay. That That is it. Don't quit your job. We got concerts to go to and trips to take to see her back on that stage again. Don't even try it. And it'll be out in time for Grammy season too. Mm -mm. Nope. Keep your job because you know you're going to want to go to that concert. Speaking of going somewhere, the next story was a Jefferson vacation party or two. Not me, y'all. Not me. Some other Jeffersons. We can guess their race later. A Jefferson vacation party of two but actually turned into a party of three when the mother-in-law pulls up. I'm gonna tell y'all now, this is gonna be a long story. So just follow me with this, just follow me. So y'all know the relationship between a mother and daughter-in-law can be a little tricky sometimes. Everybody's not blessed to have that like awesome relationship with their mother-in-law. And 
that goes for this person who posted on Reddit, who said that she's been dealing with a version of a monster-in-law since marrying her husband. She says, since day one, she tried to make remarks and compare me to her. She even tried to get on my good side by like overly praising everything I do and even copying me. She even went so far as to dye her hair purple, just like me. But then when everybody told her she looked ridiculous, she tried to blame me. So fast forward, my husband and I took two weeks off of work to go visit some places out the country. She was the one who saved everything and like arranged the trip and planned it all. But her husband was the one who booked everything. Now that was your mistake, sis. That was your mistake right there. So the husband ended up booking the whole trip and he said his mom wanted to come along but, you know, the mama started getting attitudes and making little side comments because the daughter was like, nah, she can't come. This is a bay trip. This ain't, you know, this ain't for the mama. So the husband said, we should just take her. It's my mom. She wants to go. And she's like, no, ma'am, Pam, she is not coming. And she needs to stop asking me all these questions. She's not going. So fast forward to the day of the trip. They get to the airport plenty of time to get through security and I guess they didn't have pre-check because they was talking about how long the security line was so I guess they went through regular security not pre-check security but anyway they you know walking through the airport and the husband started like looking around as if he's looking for somebody but he was acting like real weird child come to find out the mother-in-law was right there in the airport already with her bags ready to go with them So homegirl was fuming inside. She said she was so mad and she went completely off, cussed him out and went home. So the husband went home too. He came home yelling and calling me pathetic and spiteful. And he blamed her for ruining this trip and making such a scene at the airport. So then the post, the girl said, even my own family said I shouldn't have ruined that trip. I should have just sucked it up and let the mother-in-law come since she was already there. So now she in her feelings thinking, did I really overreact? Like, am I the drama? Or is my husband and my mother-in-law really to blame for all of this foolishness? So I think we can all agree that mom Dukes was wrong as two left shoes when she was trying to, you know, invite herself on this trip. But who really gets the cork here? Is it the wife, the husband, or the mother-in-law? The husband. The husband is getting the cork all day, every day. Because earlier in the thing, he said, he told her, you know, at first when the mama wanted to go and the wife already raised and told him, no, she ain't going, this is for us. And he said he wouldn't go if his mama can't come. And the wife told him, I'll gladly call your bluff, which made him take back his words and say, fine, I'll tell her to stop it because we won't take her. And then he turned around and then booked her trip and she at the airport. What he think? Like he might as well, if he wanted his mama to come, he might as well have just stayed at the airport and went on. Cause then I'm finna have me a staycation. And when you get back, everything might be gone. Like that man, when, when his wife went to that, what was she doing to do it yourself? The <laughs> jewelry convention. convention. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when she, he came back, it was nothing in her house. That might would be me because you tripping. I told you already what it was and what it wasn't going to be. 
And I don't know how long they've been married. And I don't know. Well, I do know the mother-in-law has been a thorn in his wife's side since the beginning. And he can obviously see, you know, that his wife is not down for that. He can probably see how it's hurting her and affecting her when she go to bed at night. And if he can't, then, you know, sometimes you got to tell people what's really going on. They may see it as, oh, she's my mom. She's just doing this to get attention or whatever. No, tell him plainly in words, your mom is, you know, I don't be saying them words, but your mom is this. And it's going to be either me or it's her. And you're going to have to decide when you marry me, the Lord said we became one. But they obviously are unequally yoked, as my sister Caroline called <laughs> <laughs> that phrase in the beginning. And he's still thinking he married to his mama, and he's not. He's going to have to get it together, or that's it. And this trip was a big, like, it's one thing for you to be like, you know, I didn't say anything. And then you go on and plan this trip and your mom comes and she at the airport, but he clearly told her he was going to take the mom and she told him, no, it's for us. So then he went behind her back and booked it like she wasn't going to walk out this airport. And so now that's money wasted. You might as well have kept the trip with your mama and then dealt with whatever the fallout was after you came home to your credit stuff ran up. Cause I'm finna have fun. Me. See, it's the fact that she made it very clear that his mama could not come on this trip with her or with them and he still bought the mama a ticket anyway like paid for her whole trip not just the flight but you know paid for her room and everything else it's the fact that he did all of that ahead of time and kept it from her and then didn't think everything would backfire at the airport that's why he's getting a cork from me and I'm sending her Annalise Keating and her law firm to drop some divorce papers because ain't no way we'll be coming back from this. I share the same sentiments. I'm corking the husband and I'm corking his mammy and I'm toasting the wife. When you marry someone, your loyalty is to them. Your priorities are supposed to change and you are supposed to put their needs and their desires before anyone else's. And I think the wife made it pretty clear that she did not want his mother on that trip. She wanted the trip to be for the two of them. And some people might think that she blew things out of proportion, but I don't think so. Because if you think about the whole scenario, this man lied to her and deceived her. That was that was lies and deceit right there. You know, he had her thinking that he was no longer going to invite his mother, had her ride all the way to the airport, check her luggage, and then, oh, by the way, here's my mother with her luggage on the other side. She's going to be joining us after all. No, (laughs) I would have done the same thing. I would have left both of them at the airport too. And I feel some type of way about her family not taking her side. Like they ridiculed her. Like they called her and they were like, oh, you blew things out of proportion. You should have just went on the trip. Like whose side are you on? You know, so I just, I feel like this was definitely wrong. Like Caroline, you said, it's two left shoes. It was wrong. 
And she had every right to feel the way she felt. Her feelings were definitely valid in this situation. And if this couple chooses to stay together, they will need some serious counseling because if he continues to allow his mother to interject herself into their marriage, it's going to be a long road for the both of them. And they're mm-hmm. a young couple. I think she was like 30, you know, so... And I remember when I read the article, it said that the mom also colored her hair purple because she colored, the daughter colored her hair purple. So the mother colored her hair the same color because she wanted to look like the daughter. And then people started teasing her about her hair. And so she got mad with the daughter and said that the daughter influenced her and made her do it. Like to me, it sounds like the mom got some serious mental health issues too. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wrong as two left shoes trying to shout on first Sunday. Ain't no way that would have flew in my house. But right. you know, like both of y'all said, if there is even any coming back from this, they're gonna need some serious counseling and some serious therapy. But it really sounds like he just need to marry his mama since he can't seem to get up under her. I now, bet he was sleeping real good at night. That's what make me mad. That's what burned me up. He probably slept good on the covers that his wife probably washed and put on the bed when she was changing the sheets, you know, regularly mm-hmm. and turned over. She, the woman, wife probably couldn't even go to sleep. He was snoring so good. And he had the audacity to get up in the clothes. She had starched and ironed. She probably didn't do none of it, but that's my side. The clothes she done starched and ironed. He, he put them on and packed his stuff. Uh, wife, come on, it's time to go. And then went to that airport, like you said, and his mama was waiting after he done booked her stuff. So. Because like, what did you expect was going to happen? But this does not sound like an African-American family. We'll just leave it at that. In another story of family affairs, this one does sound like us. I'll take you to McDonald's, but do you have McDonald's money? An upset woman sparked debate across social media. Let me back up. Actually, I got the story from Black Enterprise and I do not appreciate the way that they described the mother in this because they referenced her as a baby mama over and over again, but they did not address the father as such unless it was a quote coming from the woman. So I I didn't like that. And I'm giving Black Enterprise a little side eye for that shady journalism, but... I'm going to get off my soapbox. An upset woman sparked debate across social media when she decided to expose her child's father for buying McDonald's for his son, but not for her three other kids. So a video initially posted on TikTok, but it was shared all over social media showing the unidentified woman recording while venting about one of her children's father who was arriving with some food. Neither of their faces are visible in this like four minute exchange, but the heated conversation was enough to get everybody talking. So she got on her TikTok and said, my baby daddy came here with one effing meal for my child, but I have three other kids. We have one kid together, but he only want to come and bring one thing from McDonald's. But what about my other kids? So as the father approaches the front door, she points at the food, telling him it doesn't look like there's enough McDonald's for all her children. What about my other kids? And so the daddy replied, what about your other kids? They ain't mine. His response only added fuel to the fire, which 
caused the child's mother to just start shouting and berating him while she was still filming. And she also reminded him that her stamps don't come to the alum. But them your kid's siblings, she said. So my other kid's fitting to be left out. So the father tries to reason with her, explaining that he's only focused on feeding his son and he's not responsible for her other children since they're not his. Where did daddy's at? He said, you had other kids, they are your responsibility. So in the middle of all of this, back and forth, she reminds him that he knew what he was signing up for when he got her pregnant because she already had these other kids. Apparently this child was the youngest. And so, you know, she reminded him like, you knew what you were getting into when you had a baby with me. So in the end, she grabs the food out of his hand and throws it on the ground. So now ain't nobody got McDonald's money because ain't nobody getting no food. So in the end, it came out that this was just clickbait for like likes and comments and it wasn't real, but it did raise a very good question about co-parenting nonetheless, because listen, these folks on Beyonce's internet were out here bad going back and forth and back and forth about if the dad was wrong for only feeding his offspring or if the mother was wrong for expecting him to take care of all of those other children, even though they're not his. So what do y'all say? wondering if this was really clickbait or if that woman got dragged so much that the dad took pity on her and was just like oh it was all stage you know we wanted to blow up and be viral or whatever because this is just y'all did a lot y'all did a lot and and they did (laughs) they did and then she came back and she did her own video Mm -hmm. explaining herself so that's why i'm like it wasn't clickbait right so I don't know, but I could definitely see this being something that happens over time. And my big thing is that, yes, I don't expect, you know, if I was in her position, I guess I would hope that someone, if they were bringing one child food, they would bring enough for all my children. But at the same time, at least take the child out of some for lunch, because I am a person who feels you know, compassion for other people. So I know if I'm taking one meal to the house and it's three other children, I would want them not to feel bad. That would make me feel bad. But at the same time, that's not your responsibility. And I understand that. When the dad was, before we found out, I guess that this was clickbait, when he was with her, yes, he did for her and her other children. That was true. But just because he made that child and went off did not mean that he still was supposed to keep the responsibility for the other children. Although I then go back to question, like, did you really know who you were laying down with when you decide to do that? Because sometimes people bring people all around their children and then be having to explain to their child why this person is acting this certain way and we're not together or whatever. And so that's hard. You have to really think about that before you bring people around your other children and have them being like this Uncle Johnny, or actually, I guess just telling them the truth. This is my man for this current season. But at the same time, I guess you don't go into a relationship expecting it to fall. I don't know what happened in one night stand or whatever the case it may have been, but I feel like he could have 
either took this child out to eat, but I don't know. He might have been dropping it off on his lunch break. I don't know the ins and outs of the situation, but it does feel unfair. And I do know that when she took that food and threw it down, then that makes the other child kind of start to resent the mama because now the things that my pot parent is giving me are not getting to me. And it's because of the way that you're acting. And so like that one meme that I saw <laughs> cutting that burger into four, four pieces and splitting them <laughs> fries up. They called it a mixed sibling. I feel Something. that. And that's a good point though, because this really could have been a teachable moment about building community and providing for other people. Like when I grew up, our house was like, the house to feed all the kids and not just in the neighborhood but like all my friends whether it was after band practice or cheer practice or whatever our family always made sure that if my friends were hungry they were gonna eat and all of my other friends parents were the same way so like of course yeah these aren't my siblings or you know they're just my friends but everybody in the house is getting fed and that's the expectation. So like, even if my boyfriend was bringing me something to the house, everybody's getting fed because that's how we as a community take care of each other. So I wish that the father would have done that, not out of expecting him to, because those aren't his children, but the fact that there are like two or three other children in the the whole house need to eat. And so I'm going to feed the whole house. Otherwise I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Right. And so I wish that this would have been one of those times where you just took care of the whole village and not just the part of the village that is, you know, just connected to you as offspring. So as as a hopeful mother to a son one day, I would be, you know, just teaching him like the value of community so that you're not just, you know, out here feeding one child and then watching all the others go hungry, regardless of your relationship with the child's mom or whatever it is. Like, you're not about to walk into somebody's house and feed one person if you're not feeding everybody. So I get you guys' point, and I agree to a certain extent, but I also feel like sometimes we don't know people's financial capabilities. And I've been in situations where I was invited, how can I put this, where I was invited to go somewhere with someone and it was, I don't know if this is related, but it was three of us going out to eat and I was going to pay, initially pay for someone else's meal because it was supposed to be the two of us. Now at that time, I only had enough money to support both of our meals and not this extra person, you know? And at that time, I just didn't, I decided not to pay for anybody's meal because of that situation. I didn't want to pay for my friend's meal and not be able to pay for this person's meal at the same time because I didn't want it to look a certain way. So going back to this situation, those were three other kids you know, who knows what his finances looked like at that time. I just praise him for taking care of his child because he could have did what I did. Well, she's going to expect me to pay for everybody and I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'm not going to buy my kid anything to eat, you know? So I get it. I think that if you have the means, you should take care of everybody else. But at the same time, if you don't, it shouldn't be a requirement. And I think 
when we look at that whole scenario, when she was, you know, calling him out of his name and doing all this other stuff, he was just trying to bring his child something to eat. And it was his child. He wasn't, he didn't have responsibility of those other three kids. Like, where are their fathers? If they need to eat, then you need to call their parent, you know? And that's kind of where I came, that's how I saw it. And when I think about the whole situation, if I were to cork or, or toast anybody, I wouldn't court the dad because he was taking care of his child. Yeah, I I don't think I'm ready to cork the father because to your point, he ain't had to do nothing. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> It t- at least taking care of his own child was worthy enough to not get corked. I do not like how the mother reacted when he showed up at the house, but I think that this is also a good conversation about how you communicate because like, at least for me, and again, I can't speak to the situation because I've never been a child's father before. So at least for me, like if I know that there are four hungry children in the house and I only have enough money to feed one, like I'm going to talk to moms and see what we can figure out. Like maybe I can't buy four kids meals, but I can buy like an eight piece bucket of chicken and she could scrape together some sides or something. But like my first thought would be to find a way to feed everybody and not just my own or like just give her the money and let her figure out what she wants to do with it maybe. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's tricky. It's really tricky. I just like, I can't live with myself knowing that Mm -hmm. I just went to somebody's house to feed one person even if they're not my children Mm -hmm. they're still my child's siblings Mm -hmm. and I can't sit with myself knowing that I'm coming over here to feed one and not Mm -hmm. all of them so like maybe just call the mom and be like look I ain't got it this week but you know Junior called me for some McDonald's so I'm gonna bring it over but like I ain't got enough to feed everybody what you want me to do or something like that but this could have been handled so many different ways I am gonna cork homegirl for if this was true I'm a cork homegirl for a cutting up on TikTok like that because that was unnecessary yeah. yeah and and he could have picked up his son or daughter and took them out to eat you know so that way it, he or she is not sitting there eating the food in front of everybody else that's what I was thinking as well too because again if he would have bought the other three kids a meal that would have been out of the goodness of his heart not an obligation he is not obligated to do anything for them he was obligated to take care of his own child so yeah and it just all goes back to are you I mean you having these children are you having them with some one that you feel like is going to provide for not only just these children but even the mama because if she gets sick from not having no food although that's not you know the underlying concern if she gets sick she it seems like the primary caregiver what's going to happen to your child plus these other children but you really may not be thinking about that what's going to happen to your own child then you're going to have to really take an active part in that and so i was trying to think of the bigger picture not just you know this short-term solution to it so in the biggest picture communication is key yeah totally agree communication now for our last story did y'all know that r kelly did a versus battle recently against the state of illinois and he didn't win so listen 31 years ago, R. Kelly from Chicago 
in his mid-20s was signing his first record label. Around the same time, he started having relations with a 15-year-old girl, according to her lawsuit. Now, the accusations from then have mounted over the decades, and they grew increasingly heinous. They spilled into public view, and the singer who became a superstar really leaned on his fame to mask the predator under the persona and to shield himself from the consequences. So on Wednesday, Robert Sylvester Kelly could no longer escape that fallout. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison for racketeering and sex trafficking. As the judge read out his term, he did not react and outside his victims expressed deep relief of the decision. Now, several sources say that the Lied Piper, I mean, the Pied Piper used to host parties in Chicago where parents willingly took their daughters or knew that that's where their daughters were with hopes that they become like the next big star under R. Kelly or at least have bragging rights that they've met the famous singer, right? And so even though R. Kelly committed the crimes, do we now have an obligation to hold the parents accountable by pressing charges against them too for having their children in those situations? After all, it is a parent's responsibility to protect a child and know their whereabouts so that if they are in a compromising predicament like these, they could be protected. A lot of people on social media, most of them are still fans of R. Kelly and his music for reasons I cannot understand are now calling for charges to be pressed against the parents. How do y'all feel about this idea of coming for the parents too? There's no getting around what, you know, R. Kelly has done and it is heinous and disgusting and just horrific. But he also has a federal case coming up in August as well. So there might even be more time added on to his 30 year sentence. But some of his fans still feel like we need to go on and hog tie these parents and raggle them up too, because they put their children in this position, whether knowingly or unknowingly. So do y'all cork or toast this idea of going after the parents now? So I always felt that the parents should have been held accountable because if it was my child, knowing that this was a grown man I don't care if he was like the president of the United States, I'm not letting my young daughter be unattended without my presence around a grown man. I'm not doing that. And I feel like the parents who had underage children and who allowed the children to be with him, even though they knew there were allegations about him being married to Leah, allegations of sex tapes and everything, and they knew about these things and still allowed their child to be in his presence alone. So I really feel like in some ways they aided in all of this. So I do agree that some of the parents should be held accountable. Now, there are some that, you know, they shouldn't be held accountable because when their children made these decisions, they were of age. But I think the ones who were underage and the parents allowed the child to be alone with him, I think they should be held accountable or at least investigated. And I also think that R. Kelly is not the only one that should be held accountable in all of this. And not only the parents, but the people in his camp, the people who knew about this stuff and didn't do anything, because I'm sure he didn't do all this alone. I do feel like they should be held accountable. I don't think that the knowledge was 
as easily disseminated as as it is in this day and age, every single thing. But I definitely think that they knew about R. Kelly being married to Leah. It wasn't just rumor, but some parents will do anything to get their child, like they said, closer to these women. So yes, his staff should be charged with aiding and abetting. Matter of fact, they went out looking for women, looking for what he wanted to keep him happy. So they, it's, it's already been recorded and reported that that was their job to look for what type of specifications that he had and not even women. These were girls and what he was looking for. So they were preying on these people and not just the parents, the parents knew I mean, even if they didn't know, they should have had an inkling. And what kind of parent are you to send your vulnerable child that's been left in your care to someone, anyone, even to your family's house? I wouldn't even allow (laughs) to go and stay with my siblings most times. Like, no, you get your butt in this house. I don't even care. I might be sick of you. You can go to your room. Mm-hmm. so they should be charged i don't know about the sentencing i wouldn't decide upon that but they need to get some and it don't need to just be a slap on the wrist because i'm sure that those children are still dealing with traumatic responses just thinking mm-hmm. about how their parents sold them off and whatever else has went on behind closed doors that they haven't come forth about and just now they're getting some justice out of this And like you said, 30 years wasn't enough for everything he's done. So I don't even Mm -hmm. understand people who don't boycott and just be singing his music. When somebody catch, because the other day I was humming a song and I don't even know all the different songs that he has written. Like I'm, I'm not a big, I know exactly. I know step in the name. Look, I know that that's him, but I don't know every single song that he has written. And if I just start humming it, if you you hear me, call me out on it because I don't want to support nobody like that. And when you mm-hmm. listen to those lyrics and you think about what was going on, he's telling you exactly what he was doing, exactly what he was thinking when he was praying on these girls. So if you continue to support that, you need to, look on the inside of yourself and just kind of determine what are you really doing yeah well I think for a lot of us at least for people my age R. Kelly shaped a lot of our childhoods and a lot of our sexual curiosity and our sexuality in elementary middle school high school even like early college years And so I see where, you know, some people cannot separate the man from the music. Like me, I cannot. It is, I just cringe when I hear him now because he profited off of singing about the heinous things that he's been doing. And when I think back to, you know, the different things I listened to from like the Chocolate Factory and 12 Play and all of his old albums, like TP two or three or whatever it was called and thinking about how that defined my sexuality as a teenage girl I can't I can't go back to that but there are other people who like people have been born to R. Kelly like people genuinely have good memories from listening to his music and I can't I can't judge them for that but I agree with both of y'all that the parents need to be held accountable too and I look forward to seeing 
what federal charges he'll be charged with, because I'm hoping that in addition to the 30 years he just got, I'm hoping that they'll at least tack on another 30 at least. But I remember even as a child and a teenager, I grew up about an hour and a half away from Chicago in Southwest Michigan. And even I heard about like the different teen parties that R. Kelly was affiliated with. And I know full well there was no way I was asking my parents to go to one, but I wanted to go. It sounded so fun. Go to a teen party hosted by R. Kelly or it was something like that. But the reality is that there are a lot of parents that did take their children to these parties, whether knowing or unknowing of what was actually going on, they should be held as an accessory. Yeah. And those are the ones that I'm talking about, not the parents who are naive to the fact, you mm-hmm. know, oh, it's just a teen party. So, and my daughter wants to go, so I'm just going to drop her off and then something happened. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about those parents who did it willingly knowing Mm -hmm. that their daughter may get a record deal or they may get money from the opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. those parents need to be held accountable, especially if the child was underage. Underage or overage. Like, because it was no secret that R. Kelly was doing the things that he did. But, you know, like the article said, he covered it up with his fame and his music and his success. But it was no secret that he was a predator. And I also want to come for the parents who sold their children or gave their children away to his little sex prison or sex cult or whatever it was that he had down here in Atlanta before they foreclosed his house because he couldn't keep up with the payments. Neither here nor there. I guess he couldn't read the mortgage thing because he told Gail he couldn't read. But anyway... I am all for coming for the parents who knowingly let this happen to their children. I can just imagine Olivia Benson from Law and Order coming after all of them, scooping them all up. And, you know, even though we didn't have like social media around that time, like no Facebook, no Instagram or nothing like that, we're still travel. Like me and my friends knew about this all the way in Michigan. So, you know, it would be naive of us to say oh there's no way the parents could not know they knew (laughs) I know they knew they knew Mm -hmm. they knew and the people in his camp knew all the people who were around them knew I think even his wife knew Andrea Mm -hmm. knew people knew and that's why I really feel that there needs to be a deeper investigation and I think everyone needs to be held accountable anyone who played a part in it Mm-hmm. Um, need to be held accountable and like you said there's people out there who can't separate the music from the man but when you really think long and hard about it you should be able to separate it and you should be able to still hold him accountable and not listen to his music because it was his music and his talent that gave him the power and the authority to, to do all of this mm-hmm. so yeah yeah some people compared it to like still being able to watch the Cosby show But to me, it's not the same. Like I can very easily separate Clifford Huxtable Mm -hmm. from Bill Cosby and I can still enjoy the Cosby show whenever it comes on. That might not be the case for other people. And I understand that. But for Robert Sylvester Kelly, like I can't separate (laughs) those two in any of his music. (laughs) Child, we hearing enough of it all these court trials he in but like I'm not able to separate that music anymore knowing how it influenced my life when I was underage I can't listen to it anymore just because of that I mean even before some of these like charges started popping up 
just like looking back at how curious and how like intrigued I used to be about you know, about sex and relationships. A lot of that stemmed from listening to his music long before I should have. And now it's just, it's something that I just can no longer connect with and choose not to engage with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but all in all, I hope that he also gets some help when he's in there because, you know, that documentary kind of shed a lot of light on why he has done some of the things that he's done you know he's a victim of sexual abuse himself and so I just hope that he's able to get the help that he needs so he can really just realize what he did and how he ruined lives Mm -hmm, for sure although I wouldn't mind him doing one more interview with Gail King before he gets locked up for life because <laughs> baby, when he said, I don't know how to hog tie people, I just, I need a couple more sound bites doing an interview with Gail King. Like that's all I ask. Just, just give me just one more, please. I'm sure there will be more interviews. I, I think there will be another one, but he will be in a prison suit instead of a suit suit this time. Robert. Yep. Robert. <laughs> It was so bad. Hashtag Robert. 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 After he got sent. Okay, so we have reached the sidebar segment, and this segment I like to refer to as the meat and potatoes of the podcast because celebrity gossip and news is great and all, but we all need something that is going to enlighten us something that's going to inspire us and give us something we can keep learning from throughout life. So today's sidebar segment conversation is inspired by summer, summer, summertime, and how all of us should revamp the way we travel this year. So while I was strolling down my Facebook page, I ran into a story about a woman and her husband. It's a very sad story, actually, and a very frustrating story about a woman and her husband whose vacation was ruined by Spirit Airlines, none other than Spirit Airlines. So they had planned to go on vacation for their anniversary And it was also her birthday. And they were leaving for a cruise that docked out of Orlando, Florida. So I will read a little bit of her post. And her post says, today my hubby and I woke up excited to be celebrating my B-Day and our 10-year wedding anniversary as we planned for our much-needed cruise getaway to the pristine Bahamian Islands. We left early got through all of the airport formalities and even had time to grab a bite to eat ahead of our two and a half hour trip. However, instead of boarding our plane, we were told that it had been overbooked and because we didn't pay extra to secure our seats, not a requirement, we got bumped from the flight. My husband booked this flight a couple of months ago Never in my entire life of flying have I ever been bumped from a flight because I didn't pay extra to sit in a seat. With spirit, you will get bumped for that. (laughs) I'd like to say (laughs) the the tickets alone were almost $400 a piece. Were we expected to get $400 a piece? Oh, spirit. Were we? Mm-hmm, on spirit and she that must extra. that must 
listen, that must include all the extra fees that come along with it, like your carry-on luggage and all that other stuff, because they they really put a lot of fees. You think you're getting a cheap seat, but with those fees, you're going to pay just as much as any other airline. But yes, the tickets were $400 a piece. She said, were we expected to sit on the wing or the propeller of the plane? How were our seats not included? And they never communicated this with us until it was time to board. We never received any emails or notifications that this was the case. And as far as we knew, paying customers usually get the service they paid for. Apparently not so with Spirit Airlines. Instead of boarding our scheduled flight, we were turned away and left to scramble to find another flight. This ultimately led us to missing our crews out of Orlando. They were able to book us on another flight at 2.30 p.m. with United Airlines just for it to be canceled an hour later due to inclement weather. It's barely drizzling. <laughs> then we got put on standby for a 3.30 p.m. flight, but there was no guarantee that we would make it. And at that point, it wasn't even worth it. My hubby spent all morning on the phone with them trying to see if we could get on at another port. But there was nothing else available and all flights were now fully booked. And to add insult to injury, our bags made it to Florida on the flight we were scheduled to be on. Why? This is the time we should have been landing and catching our shuttle to the port. Then there's the fact that my mother in love and sister in love took off the whole week to stay with our babies just so we could have this time away. Instead, here we are and for what? And I feel so bad for my hubby. He keeps apologizing, but it's not his fault. He did everything right. If y'all know us, you know how busy we always are and we have been so this was truly much needed for us. I'm just heartbroken, trying to find a silver lining in all of this. And then she goes on and on and on about the disappointment. But I brought this story up because this is not the first story, nor will it be the last, because right now the airlines are really going through a transitional time with their pilots, with their staff, with the availability of their staff, and it's just been haywire in the airlines. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what we should do in order to avoid situations like this. So we have our own expert traveler, Caroline, <laughs> with oh, us today to, to <laughs> give us some tips and some things that we should know about traveling to avoid the frustration and the headaches. So before we jump into some tips, I really wanted to clear up a couple things about this spirit. Y'all know I'm the first one to drag spirit airlines every breathing chance I get. However, I do not fully blame them for this situation. Airlines have been overselling flights since the beginning of time because it is very likely that at least three people will not show for a flight, whether it's canceled, whether they miss it, or they change the flight to something else, even same day, it is very, very common for airlines to oversell flights. So this isn't exclusive to Spirit. Delta does it, American does it, United does it, all of them oversell flights. 
And most times it works out in their favor, but sometimes it doesn't. And I've read through Spirit's Terms and Conditions, so y'all don't have to, but in their fine print, they do state that if a flight is oversold and someone is unable to fly, they base it off of the last person to check in for their flight. So the gay agent or whoever was talking to them might have misinformed them. But if you're, that's why it's always important to check in as soon as you can. As soon as that 24 hour mark hits before your takeoff time, you have to check in for your flight because the last person to check in will be the first person to get bumped on spirit. So you can't guarantee that that won't happen to you, whether you bought a seat or not. That doesn't matter. If you're the last one to check in on your flight, you're going to be the first one to get bumped if, you know, they don't have any volunteers to take another flight. So there's that. But if you're ever traveling for a cruise, now I don't understand why they flew to Orlando just to cruise to the Bahamas. I feel like they could have just flown to the Bahamas. But, you know, not my trip that I'm planning. But but it was a cruise because it was a cruise. I wonder if it was going to other places. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. she, maybe she just left that part out. Maybe like the Bahamas yeah. was their first stop or something. Anytime you travel for a cruise, you need to fly one to two days before your cruise so that you avoid things like this happening with a flight, especially nowadays with, you know, pilot shortages, flight attendant shortages, airline delays, cancellation. There were just 1,600 delayed flights and 800 canceled flights just for the July weekend. And the weekend's not even over yet. So anytime you have a cruise or even any big event, whether it's a wedding, a funeral, a conference, whatever it is, you need to start planning to travel one to two days before the big event so that you have a buffer right? Hotels are being much more accommodating if you need to make last minute changes. So you don't have to worry about that. But anytime you travel, you need a backup plan and you need to leave at least a day before you need to be somewhere. Otherwise, you're going to be out here bad like this couple. As Nalita say, you're going to be out here real bad. (laughs) And, you know, it's very, very unfortunate. But I think with some better planning, some of this could have been, you know, preventable too. So I can't give spirit all the smoke on this one. So in your opinion, what is the better airline to fly as far as, you know, prices, better airline that would accommodate situations like this better in your opinion? So I'm biased to Delta because I live in Atlanta and their headquarters is here. So I can almost guarantee a nonstop flight. I don't have time for layovers if I can help it. So that is why I am so loyal to Delta. Now, if I was in any other city, I I might not be this loyal, but it's just very easy. It's very convenient. I can get in and out at the airport and Delta is the easiest option for me. Is it the cheapest? No. If you want the cheapest airline, I would suggest Southwest. If they, you know, fly to your city, I would not fly Spirit if I will walk to my destination before I fly Spirit, okay? And not because of like this type of situation, but um, it's an overall bad experience. From a service standpoint, 
they've upgraded a lot of their planes. So the jokes we used to have about their seats not reclining or you not having any, you know, like leg room and stuff like they that. They still it's don't recline. Oh. They still don't recline. I just was on a spirit flight recently. They don't There recline. you have it. But <laughs> on the other side, spirit did just get like a brand new fleet of planes and they're one of the best airlines as it relates to not having any emergency landings or crashes. So if safety is your priority, then you might, you might need to look at Spirit and pay them extra fees. But my personal preference is Delta. Now, if you live in Miami or Charlotte or like Philadelphia, American Airlines might be your preference because they have a hub there. And when you can access an airport that has an airline hub, you have a lot more flights to choose from. They're usually less expensive and you can almost always get to your destination directly without a layover. So if convenience is what's most important to you, then you'll wanna look at if there's an airline with a hub in your area. And if price is your biggest concern, I would honestly go with Southwest because they have two free check bags. They have the most lenient plus size or big and tall policy. So like, let's say you need two seats because you're, you know, plus size and you need two seats to be comfortable. You buy both of your seats at the time of booking and then Southwest will refund you the fare of one of those seats after the flight. So I really like them for that. You got the free check bags and their service is just impeccable. It is. I love, I love Southwest. Another thing that I like about Southwest too is that to change your flight, rearrange your flight, there's no fee. You would just yeah. have to pay whatever the difference um, in fare. The difference in fare is when you mm-hmm. change, but there's no actual fee or penalty for changing or canceling yeah. your flight. Yeah. Airlines used to charge now before COVID, airlines used to charge like $250 per ticket to change just to change it. That doesn't include the fare difference. It used to be like 200 to $250 just to change the flight. So that's another reason why I really like Southwest. United is not bad. I don't fly them as much because again, I'm just, you know, loyal to the airline that has a hub here. But if I had to pick a top three, it would be Delta first, probably United and Jet maybe JetBlue. I haven't flown them before, but I hear a lot of good things about them in terms of like, a better experience Mm -hmm. but southwest by far is the best value with the best service Mm. so there is a story that is circulating around about american airlines and how this woman's daughter was lost she was traveling unattended by an adult which a lot of parents put their children on flights nowadays to go see grandma in another state or wherever And apparently she was flying back home and they lost her for a little bit because they did not follow protocol with this young girl. So how can parents be sure that their child is safe on a flight and won't get quote unquote lost, you know, when they're flying on their own? So when you're sending your child as an unaccompanied minor, they're supposed to stay with an adult at all times. So as the parent taking them to the airport, they typically allow you to go all the way to the gate to see them off on the plane. They are attached to a flight attendant through the entire flight. And then after the flight, they are supposed to connect with another airline employee so that they can connect with the parent 
if the parent hasn't made it back to the gate to come get that child. They're supposed to like stay at the gate. I think in this case, the flight landed a little bit early. So the father hadn't made it like he was at the airport, but he hadn't made it all the way through security into the gate yet. And so when this minor got off the plane, no one caught her, even though she had like the, the badge around her neck showing that she's an unaccompanied minor, like none of the gay agents or no one at the airport stopped her or pulled her to the side to wait for her father. So she just started walking, like not, you know, not realizing it. Right. And so she was unaccounted for for a little bit of time but she was able to connect with her dad and find her way to him after kind of okay what signs do you see what what stores are you near and things like that I think the most alarming thing though was that like no one in the airport was aware of their surroundings enough to realize that this girl was by herself as an unaccompanied minor because the badge is very noticeable but that could be very dangerous when you think about seeing a child wandering by themselves without an adult in an airport that is a very high sex trafficking airport so ideally before you send this child on a flight talk to them about what ifs what happens if and make sure that they understand the process from getting on the plane to getting off the plane and what you're supposed to do next instead of placing that responsibility fully on the airline like my child would know when you get off that plane you sit your ass down right in that chair don't go nowhere else that you wait for your father right here you call me you text him we gonna facetime or whatever it is but I would not have sent my child on that plane without her knowing exactly what to do, exactly where to go. I mean, she's 12 years old, so she's old enough to figure this out, right, with someone telling her. So I would kind of look to the parents to prepare your child for what to expect when you're flying so that even if the airline misses a step or if the airline makes a mistake, your child is still well equipped to keep themselves safe. Um, so that's one thing. I know a lot of people were saying that you shouldn't have sent your unaccompanied minor on a flight by herself. Like that was irresponsible as a parent. And I disagree with that. They have unaccompanied minor policies to keep yeah. kids safe. And this because is very people do that uncommon. All the time. People do. I flew as an unaccompanied yeah, minor when I was too. little. You know, it happens, but it was just really unfortunate that the airline made the mistake of not staying with the child mm -hmm. as she like wandered off the airplane, you know, and just kind of into like the airport area. But it really just comes down to having a conversation with your child about what the risks are, like how to keep yourself safe, what to do if you think you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think your child can handle that conversation, then you don't need to put them on that flight exactly. by themselves. But I, I still think it's safe to send an unaccompanied minor on a flight. You just have to know your kids and know if they're mature enough to mm -hmm. handle this by themselves. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, they just didn't. The thing about what the mom said when she was kind of going through and explaining what she said, her daughter went ahead because the people were waving her off the plane. Bye. Have a good day. You know, the attendance. But at the same time, if somebody waving you off, my first thought would be, you know, I do know what I'm supposed to do. My mama said like that kid who he's supposed to wear his mask throughout his pictures and he had his mask on when they took their class picture because his mama didn't tell him he could take it off. So my first thought, 
I'm getting out this plane. My mama told me sit right here. Or my mama told me call. Or even to the point my mama told me I'm supposed to have someone go with me. So and even thinking that I might be a belligerent child, instead of waving at them by like everything okay, my mama told me that somebody mm-hmm. is supposed to walk with me off of this plane and I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to get off by myself. So I'm gonna sit right here or what, you know, whatever the case may be. And then as soon as you land your phone and they say, turn your phones back on, you can call and just check. Well, I'm gonna call my mama because she didn't tell me, you know, blah, 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 or whatever the case may be so that you do have an advocate. But I think it was a lot of missteps. Cause like you said, that mm-hmm. is a big trafficking hub. So even the child even supposedly passed through TSA because they had to go through baggage claim and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of steps mm-hmm. that were missed for this child's safety. And so thankfully, you know, it, it ended up being a, the child made it safely to their destination. But I think for the mom, the scariest thing was that they called an hour after the plane had landed to tell her her child was missing. Like mm-hmm. it was so yep. long from the child actually landing. But my yeah. thing is when the child called the dad, why didn't the dad call the mom or call the airline or, you know, whatever the case may be so that everyone is on the same page. Like, I don't know how long it took for information to be disseminated. Cause that seems like a lot of people, not just the airline were mm-hmm. dropping the ball. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are airport employees who work like for Miami airport, not necessarily for an airline, who are trained in, you know, child safety. And I think we talked about this last week on our live show about, you know, airport employees being trained on how to spot potential red flags and risk with children. And I mean, even I know if I see a minor with a little like unaccompanied tag and I don't see an adult with them, like I'm going to turn my head and be like, look, girl, where are you going? Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't see an adult with them and just stay right in that spot until we can get some help. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that she had to have passed by so many employees and so many airline employees and no one noticed her walking Mm -hmm. around here by herself. And that is what's scary to me because Miami airport is pretty big. And it's very big and it's busy. And that's another mm-hmm. thing, like going back to what you said earlier about parents having to do the work and making sure that their child knows exactly what to do when they get off the plane, when they get on the plane, you have to drill that because you can't expect, or I can't say you can't expect because you should expect, but the way these airlines are now where they're short staffed. When you go into the busy airports, it depending on the day, it can be very, very extremely busy. You have your support staff for the airlines are booking tickets and helping people get this, that, and the other done for them. So it's mm-hmm. hard for people to just look after one individual. You know, it's not an excuse, but it's the reality of it. And mm-hmm. I just feel like if we're going to have our children travel alone, then you have to instill in them the the importance of calling me when you land sitting down and not moving when you land you know you have to drill that into them you know they can only do so much at the same time 
Exactly. Because like I remember when I was a minor, an unaccompanied minor traveling, I had to stay on the plane until my other parent or whoever was picking me up was at the gate. They wouldn't even Mm -hmm. let me off the airplane until Mm -hmm. someone was like vouched and verified and at the gate waiting for me. So no matter how long that took, they would not let me off the plane, even into the airport. And this Mm -hmm. was like back in the nineties, not to age myself, but you know, that was a long time ago, but at the end of the day, it's the airline's responsibility to get you from your departure city to your destination it's the parent's responsibility to make sure your child knows how to keep themselves safe. So mm-hmm. let's talk about luggage because Girl. that's a big thing. I cannot believe. So I just recently went to Atlanta and Caroline and I were together in Atlanta and I carried a book bag for the first time in my life. I packed everything for the weekend in a book bag I have never packed like this is somebody who will pack two suitcases full for a three-day mm-hmm. and event. Did. okay okay and did. I but I managed to pack everything into a book bag and was still charged for that carry-on because I flew spirit spirit has so many hidden fees y'all I don't don't be fooled by that $60 flight because you're going to pay just as much as any other flight by the time you pay for your luggage and everything else in your seat or whatever it goes along with it. But anyway, with Spirit, that book bag, because I had the book bag in a purse, they charged me $75 each way for my book bag. Now I thought I was doing something because I was like, Spirit ain't going to charge me for no carry-on. I'm going to carry everything in the book bag. I still had to end up paying. Mm-hmm. So my question is when we think about luggage every airline is not like spirit they're not going to charge you for a carry-on i think in most cases a carry-on is free how can we pack light to avoid fees for our luggage you asking me how to pack light since you did it yes they're almost a week yeah Uh uh-huh i was gonna say just look at the temps and plan to pack light like my sister when she come on here and tell y'all you ain't gonna wear half of what you bring in the name of trying to have options you just gonna pay that hefty fee for looking it around and you're gonna be regretting your decision so unless it's spirit because apparently you still gonna pay for you still gonna pay on spirit and after paying that extra 150 dollars baby you could have just got on delta really because they and recline your seat yeah right and, get your, and, get and stretch out your legs mm-hmm. <laughs> watch the tv all of that but no seriously you want to get a carry-on that is bandable so I bought mine from away and it is a little pricey I think mine was like 280 or 260 or something like that but it's like a bigger carry-on. So it fits most airlines. If it's like a smaller commuter plane, it might not fit. So just keep that in mind. But for most major airlines, it will fit in the overhead compartment. But it has like the two big sections and there's also like a middle like mesh section just for shoes. So that helps. I also use packing cubes to help condense some of the things in my bag. And they're the ones that like you can stuff them real big and then they'll just like collapse to make more things fit. So I like using packing cues to keep things neatly organized and stuff like that. And then I also use only the toiletries that are necessary. 
that's it. And I have like a very extensive skincare routine and makeup routine and stuff like that. But the reality is like, I'm not going to Houston and wearing a full face of makeup in that heat. So I only took what was necessary, not the, well, what if I need, cause I can always go to the store for some foundation if I need it, or I can go to the store for, you know, a, a mascara if I need it. Right. So I only pack the makeup that's necessary and just stick to travel size items for all of my skincare and things like that. And I just, I plan out every single day of my trip and bring like one to two backup options in case something spills or I have a wardrobe malfunction. I will still keep like one or two like backup options, but all the extra, like packing extra shoes, packing workout clothes. I know full well I'm not working out at nobody's gym on nobody's vacation. So I don't even bother packing them extra t-shirts and extra biker shorts. I'm not. You only need one pair of pajamas for a three-day trip. That's it. Just want this one pair. You don't need all the extra stuff. And then keep your shoes simple. Having a capsule wardrobe also helps. So I can pack, if I'm going to Miami for four days, I can pack two pair of pants and four dresses, two tops, right? So I can mix and match those two outfits. And then I have four dresses, you know, two for the days and then two backups. And that's it. And then I'll probably use two pairs of shoes, a brown pair and a nude pair to go with my outfits. And then I'll wear my sneakers while I'm traveling because that's my biggest shoe. So anytime you travel, even if it's in the wintertime, wear your biggest shoe as you travel, whether it's a boot or a sneaker so that you don't take up space putting that in your bag. Only thing you need to pack extra is draws. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. I had more underwear than I did clothes when I went mm-hmm. there that weekend. I don't know why we do it, but <laughs> but we do it. Because you know, you <laughs> never know. And then you got that fupa out there and you need some extra change them panties throughout them days because it's hot and your drawers sweat. You be sweating everywhere they sweat. Mm-hmm. So It's true though. Embarrassing story. My flight <laughs> out of Miami. Yes, it was Delta, but my flight was delayed by like four hours. It was a weather delay, so I can't blame the airline. But while I was waiting on the flight, my period came like two weeks early and the airport lounge was already closed. So I couldn't go to the Delta lounge and like freshen up, you know, peacefully and comfortably. It was so late. TSA was already gone. So I couldn't like catch an Uber, go to a local Walgreens and, you know, get some stuff, freshen up and come back because I couldn't go back through security because all TSA was gone. So I was just stuck. But luckily I had, you know, an extra pair of underwear and there was one little like convenience store that was just about to close inside the airport. So I was able to like get what I needed, but had I not had them extra jaws, I would have been out here real bad. So I... Just when you think packing them extra underwear is unnecessary, I promise you it's not. It's not. And so last question is, how can we get the best bang for our buck when we are booking flights? I do know that one way is going to the airline, but are there any other ways, are there any other sites that we should look at to get the better airline ticket are there any specific days you should book a ticket on to get a better price so yes actually the best 
website to watch for airfare is probably between Google Flights and Airfare Watchdog. Those two are really reliable when you're trying to price shop. I always recommend booking directly with the airline though. So like when we were talking about Spirit and how when they decide who to bump from a flight when they oversold, they bump based on who checked in last, right? But other airlines such as Delta, American, et cetera, they decide who bumps based on status. So if you have medallion status with Delta, whether you're you know, gold or silver or diamond or whatever your status is, you are less likely to get bumped. But if you book through like an Expedia or cheap tickets or last minute travel or a third party site, you are more likely to be bumped first followed by people who book from Delta and are not a member of their SkyMiles program. So just always keep that in mind. It's always best to book directly with the airline, but just check something like Google Flights to price shop. Sometimes it's cheaper to book a partner airline. For example, it might be cheaper to book KLM Airlines going from Atlanta to New York versus Delta itself, but they're a Delta partner and it might be cheaper on their website. Also, always book on a private browser when you're booking flights. I don't, I don't know the science behind it. I, I don't know why, but when I do it, it works. The prices are a little more reasonable that way. And then the only other thing I would say is that the day that you purchase your ticket isn't as important as the day that you're traveling, right? So if you think about a weekend trip, flying Saturday to Monday is a lot cheaper than flying Friday to Sunday. So if your weekend plans are flexible, catch an early flight Saturday morning and then leave on Monday to go back home. Also, Tuesday is an inexpensive day to travel. It used People used to say that Tuesday was the cheapest day to book your trip, but you think about it, business travel typically happens on Monday. Weekend trips, they typically come back on Sunday, so they're traveling on Sunday. But Tuesdays and Thursdays are, and Wednesdays, those are typically the least expensive day to book. You want to book at least two weeks in advance on domestic trips and at least six weeks in advance on international trips to get the best fare. And yeah, I think that's, oh, and if you are loyal to a specific airline, consider getting a credit card from them so that you just have additional like perks and benefits. For example, like with the Delta card I have, I don't necessarily get a discount on my flights, but if I do check bags, I get two free check bags and I have access to the airport lounge, the Delta Sky Lounge. And so I can get free food and beverages there and, you know, just wait for my flight a little more comfortable. So I don't have to like pay all this money for overpriced airport food, right? I don't have to buy like airport drinks at the bar or anything like that. So I'm saving in a different way and always get trip insurance. I don't care how much it is. If you cannot afford trip insurance, don't book that damn flight. Always, always, always get trip insurance. And a lot of credit cards, like travel cards will come with trip insurance, but it doesn't always match the terms of an airline trip insurance. For example, when my flight was delayed four hours, I was looking at my Amex to see if I could like get anything just in case I needed to stay overnight in Miami, but I couldn't get refunded or reimbursed from my Amex card until 12 hours of flight disruption. Whereas with my travel insurance, it was only four hours. The insurance I bought through like Delta and Alliance, 
it was only four hours. So relying on your credit cards, travel insurance isn't always the best option. Always, always, always buy your trip insurance before you buy your seat. If you have to pay for a seat, only if you're traveling with spirit. <laughs> Baby, you traveling with spirit, you don't need a life insurance policy. I'm telling you everything else, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have gotten a lot of great, useful information from this sidebar segment. I'm definitely going to be using this information for travel because I will never be flying with Spirit Airlines ever again. Mm-hmm. Close that curtain. <laughs> I'll close the curtain on that. Spirit ain't even got first so, class to close the curtain. They don't. <laughs> so what you going to do? <laughs> just sit you there. Mean, you were just sitting back there with everybody? Not that bad. Mm, yes (laughs) so that was definitely great information and this was another awesome episode of close the curtain and i want to thank the co-hosts caroline nalita and thank everyone for listening to the very end i hope you were entertained and meet us next week same time same place peace Thank you for joining us this week on Close the Curtain Podcast with Nalita, Shalana, and Caroline. I hope you enjoyed this brief respite and that something we said inspired or motivated you to close the curtain on whatever is not for the season in which you find yourself in. If you're enjoying Close the Curtain, please rate the show, share it, These things allow more women access to the same wonderful content that you enjoy. If you have questions, comments, or you want to suggest show topics, leave a message for us on our email, hello at closethecurtain.com. Again, that's hello at closethecurtain.com. You can also stay connected with Close the Curtain Podcast on Instagram at our handle, at Close the Curtain Podcast. Our website is www.closethecurtain.com and our podcast can be enjoyed on the following platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor with more to come. This has been an awesome show. Don't forget to meet us next time at the intersection of pop culture and wellness. Bye.